as valuable as the the journey theme is, um, like like with our health, it's not something that we're just going to suddenly get right and never have to go back to. It's the type of thing that demands your focus um, time and time again, because there's always areas that you could improve. It. There's always an extra you know touch point that you could add, or an extra um, you know internal reminder that you could add, or or even a segment of your business or of the journey that you may not have known you could automate. But as as two things happen, as you uh, mature and, and grow as a, as a ar- architect for this stuff, and as technology evolves, your lens and your perspective on this will continue to change. Welcome to the Biz Power Hour podcast, where we discuss all things related to your business in sales, marketing, software, and strategy, bringing you the industry-leading experts with uncut and unedited advice, opinions, and actionable takeaways. Sit back and relax. This is the Biz Power Hour, and it begins now. Hello, and welcome to this month's edition of Business Power Hour podcast with your host, Daniel Bushes. In this month's episode, we've got the roadmap to marketing automation success with none other than an expert in the industry, Greg Jenkins from MonkeyPod Marketing. Greg, for those who maybe been hiding under a rock and haven't heard about you, can you give the fine folks a quick overview of who you are and what your business focuses on? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just to be fair, there are plenty of people who very rightfully <laughs> so have not heard of me, and I pity all of them. Um, yeah, so my business is Monkey Pod Marketing, and uh, my focus is on on educational uh, resources and training, specifically for Infusionsoft users. But um, but yeah, really for s- small businesses at large. That's awesome. And before you started your own company, you were actually heading up all of the training and building out the curriculum for Infusionsoft, which helped not only their, their millions of, or I'd say hundreds of thousands of customers across the world, but also all of their certified partners across the world equally, right? Yeah, so uh, Infusionsoft, uh, for those who don't know, is the, the software company presently known as Keep, uh, but before it was Keep, it was Infusionsoft, and uh, I, I ran a, tr- a live training event called Infusionsoft University, um, and that, uh, that existed before I, I took it over, but, um, but yeah, under my um, guidance, we redid the curriculum, and then I ran that for, for probably the last year and a half that I worked for the company. That's quite amazing, and I, I know when I went through my certified partner curriculum and, and test, there were the questions that you actually created that I had to answer. So I know yeah, that you know I, your stuff. <laughs> I, I had to go through that same certification. It was a, uh, it was a bit of a trip to watch some videos that had my voice or, or to see questions that I, I knew were written in my, own, uh, in my own language. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you're definitely someone that I have a deep respect for. Um, the content that you put out, the advice that you put out is always um, golden and so that's why I wanted to bring you back on this, this podcast. So without further ado, regardless whether someone's using Keep that's listening to this or they're using another system, you know, what we're going to talk about today is really a fundamental building block of, you know, how to actually set up and design your marketing strategy and, and complement that with a marketing tool like Keep or Infusionsoft. Now, that being said, I'm sure you, you, know, you know a lot about it. You've, you've created courses and you've seen a lot of people that have ha- you know, struggled with this. So 
the biggest conundrum is people usually start arguably maybe in the, the wrong spot, right? They jump in, they start trying to build campaigns and build marketing strategies. But let me ask you and turn it over to you. What should someone do? How should they approach this? Yeah, so you're, you're right. Um, I think that the first thing that I recommend doing is uh, reframing the way you think about the tools that you use. Um, so Infusionsoft or Keep or ActiveCampaign or, or, you know, whatever it is that you are relying on, it is just that, a, a tool. And that's fine because they're all very valuable, um, but they're only a piece of the puzzle. And so what I like to, to zoom out and, and drive the emphasis towards is the other parts of the equation, uh, which are training or, or expertise and then a strategy. So I think there are really those three pieces uh, that work well in tandem. You have to have a, a blueprint, which is your strategy. You have to have a tool to execute on that. And then you need to have the expertise to, to do it and, and do it efficiently. And I think that too many people um, buy a marketing automation tool or, or, or platform and they, they think of it as a solution. They think, oh, I'm just going to get this and it's going gonna, it's gonna to fix the problems. And, you know, it, it might... Uh, but it's rarely that simple. And so the first conversation I like to have with people is, is helping them uh, understand the role that that tool is going to play in the bigger picture, which sort of, um, you know, forces them to consider, well, shoot, do I have a strategy? Do I have a blueprint? And if you don't, well, then let's start there. I think that's a great point because it's like, it's like building a house, right? Because your marketing automation, especially with, with keeping Infusionsoft specifically, there's so many things tied together. Like you have a CRM, which is your customer database. You have the potential to do transactions and collect money and send invoices. And of course you have the ability to send email and integrate with other things that can even do text messages. So there's a lot of power behind it. And it's kind of like building a house. If you don't have a blueprint of how you're going to lay out the rooms and how the construction is going to look like, and you walk in with some lumber and some nails and a hammer you're probably not going to turn out with the end result that you're expecting, right? Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's like, yes, of course you need the lumber and the nails and the hammer, but if that's all you've got, you're, you're setting yourself up for, for a, really, uh, a really tough road. And so by, by focusing on the strategy first, um, it kind of it, it forces you to think through um, not only what you're building, but why. And, and what I, where I actually encourage people to start is like, take stock of your current reality. Take stock of like what it is you, the, the entrepreneur or the small business owner, you and your team are doing and the current experience you are creating for your customers. Think about like the current reality of, of every element that impacts the, the, the customer and then decide, well, what should it be, right? Like rather than just the current reality, what is a good use of our time? What should we be doing and what should we not be doing what should we be creating for our customers and, and what would we rather that they didn't experience? And then the gap between those two, between the reality and the ideal experience, to me, that's your blueprint. Is like, how do I you know, tighten up that or close the gap between those two things and, and get the automation to do you know, more of the heavy lifting? So for the people that are listening to this and they're, saying, they're shaking their head yes, saying, yes, this is exactly what I need. What might be an example? Uh, so those people that are wondering, like, where is the gap? Like, they're having a hard time understanding where the reality versus the automation might lie. 
Sure. So the for, to, to map your current reality, uh, and this is a, a concept called it's called customer journey mapping. There's a there are a handful of you know examples and, and templates you can find if you do a quick Google search for that. But but at a high super high level, what I'm describing is like uh, talk to your existing customers, get to know your database, or or find you know examples of of people who have who have purchased from you, or maybe people who have not purchased from you. And do your best to map the high-level milestones that comprise their experience, right? So if you look at, like, the, the point of transaction where they purchased and became a customer, um, well, very rarely or very seldomly does that exist in a vacuum. And so if you zoom out from there, um, there's a section of their journey that happened before they became a customer. And there's a section of their journey that happened after they became a customer. And the composition of those three things uh, is the customer journey. And like... I, I, I equate it to like our personal health, right? You have, uh, you know, whether it's good or it's bad, you have, um, you're, you're somewhere on that spectrum when it, as it pertains to your health, whether or not you have focused on it. And similarly, your customer journey already exists. Like whether or not, or, or with or without your consent, like it's already happening. Your customers are experiencing something. Um, and so the question just becomes, well, is it something we designed or is it just something that, you know, happened over time, which, you know, in my first business, I was in the latter category where I would try to solve a problem. And then when I figured out how to do something that just became my process, not because it was super efficient, but because it was the way that I had learned. It was the only way I knew how to solve that problem. And I think that because we as small business owners and, and entrepreneurs wear so many different hats, it can be especially challenging to go back to things uh, that, that may be working to some extent to figure out how we could fine tune them or, or how we could improve them. So to, to circle back to the question that, that started that little tangent, um, I think the answer is to, to start with the point of purchase and zoom out in either direction and figure out from your existing customers, from your existing prospects, what is it that they are experiencing and what are those high-level milestones? And then what could we be doing to either shorten the time it takes from someone to get from one to the other or to make that experience a little more, uh, a little more seamless, a little more intentional? That's, that's a really good point. So let's use, because I think this one will be more, more simple for people if we use it in a generic format. So if someone purchases something, this is where maybe you can use the automation and talk about the journey and the process that you're speaking of where you could say, okay, after someone purchases, what's the next thing? Should they get a thank you email a couple days later? Should they get a survey to see if they're happy? Like, are those the kind of things that you're talking about that you can design that strategy and then build the automation in line with that? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So um, w after somebody becomes a customer, and, and let's use one of my courses as an example, if somebody buys my Campaign Builder Trilogy course, the first thing that happens is I use automation to uh, add them to my membership site and to generate their credentials. And then I, I merge that into an email and I give them access to the course. And if I did nothing else, then I have technically fulfilled on, on, on my promise. I've, I've set the expectation that they're going to get access and then I've done that. But the truth is, you know, oftentimes we want to create a, um, an experience that goes above and beyond their expectations. So that's when you get to ask, well, what else should be happening here? And maybe it's a thank you card or maybe it's a, 
you know, I know you have some, some built by love gift boxes that go out at various times. So maybe it's a special something that, that goes above and beyond uh, whatever it was that you promised and, and creates a more memorable or more lasting experience. But uh, it, until you examine what your current reality is, you're not really in a position to, to make decisions about how to improve it or how to enhance it. Yeah, that's a good point. And of course, with this automation, you can also segment. So then you have the intelligence to know who's been buying what, when, and then further along the path, then you can decide, hey, if they bought the campaign trilogy, then the next step is maybe they might like this other thing, correct? Yeah, so, so your customers have a journey. Right. And I, I actually think of it in terms of, you know, a high level like um, trail that I want them to go down. I do, as, as you as you do, um, a fair amount of hiking. And so I think a lot of uh, times I, I equate small business to to hiking on a trail. Right. So I think of the path that my customers are going to take. And there's these tributaries. There's these small little offshoots that they can go down um, into these sub journeys. Right. And so the Campaign Builder Trilogy is one of my five courses. It's actually the second one I recommend for people. So there's probably a course that they purchased beforehand, then there's the trilogy, and then there's another course that I want them to buy after and and a few later after that as well. So each of these individual experiences exists within their overarching customer experience. um, And and that's that's fine, right? You can design, uh, hey, I want them to buy these five courses, but just saying the name of the course wasn't detailed enough for me so I drill down another level and I explore, well, what does the specific uh, experience look like here? And, and maybe it's as simple as a purchase and, um, and the delivery of the course, but you might need to go a layer further and say, well, the purchase starts with a sales page and then there's an order form and then there's a thank you page. And so you can go through uh, increasing levels of detail as you, as you dig into this. Um, you can make it as, as granular as you want, but it has to start with that high-level bl- blueprint. You have to know what you're setting out to build. I love what you're saying there because I think one of the other issues that a lot of people have is you say, okay, so if someone buys product A and it's $100, for example, what's the next thing they're going to buy? So if they were to follow in a perfect world your purchase path where they're going to buy you know, product A, B, and C – what's your revenue look like? Is it $500? Is it $1,000? And most business owners can't answer that question. Right. And and so I think the best example is if you go to college, right? It's like, hey, if you want to graduate with whatever degree you have, you have to follow your curriculum for the specific courses for freshman, sophomore, junior, all the way through. And the college can sit there and look at the attrition rate of how many people make it through the first year, the second year, and all the way till they get to the degree. So with those metrics, they can know where people or where students or customers are falling off. And they can also track the entire profitability of if someone follows this all the way to completion, then they should make X amount of money over X amount of time. And so you're kind of, this is kind of what you're talking about is it's going to give someone a lot more power to be able to architect or engineer their profitability with their customers in that journey, right? Yeah, that's that's it. And and the thing, what I guess I want to underscore the fact that like these high level milestones, right? For for the course, right? Maybe I want them to take a free trial, and then I want them to buy the course, and then I want them to complete the course. Um, that's the 
ideal scenario, what you're building automation for is kind of the, the thing that we want to have happen. It's the, the, the path of least resistance. We want to make it as smooth and as easy as possible for people to do the things that we believe will get them what they want, right? But not everyone will, of course, right? So the, the, the other half of this equation is it forces you to ask, okay, what if they don't? right? If somebody just jumps from milestone to milestone, uh, that's perfect. And they can make their way through your entire product progression path with brute force. But, but you're forced to ask and, and consider, what if they take a little bit longer, right? What about the people who don't complete the curriculum in the time that we wanted? And this is where you can account for those stragglers. Uh, and because we're, we're talking about automation here, you can set things in place that serve as a contingency plan for the folks who, who need a little extra um, nurture or need a few extra touch points before they make it to the next milestone. Yeah, because arguably most business owners that might be listening to this saying, well, I, I have something if they buy, I'll send them something. But to the point you're, you're mentioning, what about the people who don't buy, right? Or what about the people who fall in between the cracks? Because if you don't have like a, a newsletter, so to speak, and I cringe when I say the word newsletter, <laughs> yep. but they they just kind of fall out of the automation and end in this like vacuum, this black hole of, well, they didn't follow the path and there's nothing designed for them. So they just kind of fall off and maybe they just needed some more reassurance or more information, right? And this is kind of the strategy you're talking about that can solve those problems. So that's a big part of it. Um, the, a big reason why I uh, have been have been so adamant about the value of a customer journey is not just because it forces you to establish those those high level you know milestones those benchmarks, uh, but also because it it gives it, it gives you a reason to look at the gaps between them and to realize that they may be disjointed and and there's an opportunity there for you to tighten that up. There's an opportunity for you to to pave the path between those milestones so that contacts don't slip between the cracks. But until you examine really the big picture, the, the high level blueprint, you don't realize that there are some gaping holes in there um, that your customers probably know about. But you know, we, we as, as, um, as entrepreneurs have a tendency to be so close to our business that sometimes we think things are working a certain way, but the experience we're creating is, is really quite different. So where, where would someone want to start? And I know this is like, this is blue ocean strategy. I mean, there's so many different businesses and business models and things like that. But if someone's listening to this and they're saying, well, gosh, I don't think I have any of this. I might have a couple campaigns here or there for, you know, purchase and send a link to, you know, the product, but gosh, I don't really know where to start. What might be the best generic place for someone to start? Yeah. Um, so as you alluded, there's, there's a bunch of different answers to that question. So uh, let me give you a few tips that, that might help with that. And, and I'll invite you to weigh in as well. Um, the first thing I, I ask people or I encourage people to focus on is, is the point of purchase, right? That's sort of the lowest common denominator for every business is like, how do you get paid? Because as Gary Vaynerchuk says, uh, cash is oxygen, Right, you, your business needs revenue to stay in business, and it empower or gives you the ability to do a better job of serving your customers. So focus on making that transaction as seamless as possible, right? And then I I encourage people to radiate out from there. So uh, what has to happen directly before the purchase, and what has to happen directly afterward? So you start closest to the cash, and then you sort of radiate out in either direction. But 
Um, the second uh, way of looking at this is to figure out what's going to move the needle most rapidly. So uh, a way of, 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 I guess, measuring that or answering that is by taking stock of, of what you currently do. What is it that takes up your time, you know, every single day or every single week? And then which of those things are not the best use of your time, right? There probably are things that you're doing that you should continue doing. But I would wager that there are also some that, that could be done by automation or at least simplified by automation. And for the things that happen regularly, if you can find a way to automate those, what you're effectively doing is buying back your time so that you can you know, choose where to reinvest that, right? And it could, be, it could be in your business, but it also could be in your hobbies or in your family or in the other passions that, that may make up your life, right? So I encourage people to keep track of like, what is it that's actually taking up my time and then as you have a list of, of where that, of those types of things, combing over it and figuring out what am I doing, you know, multiple times a day or multiple times a week, and does it need to be done by me? And if not, then you go to bat or, or, or you go to work trying to figure out, well, how could it be automated? I think that's a great point. Let's, uh, if, you, if you're willing to do so, let's, let's play out a couple examples, and I'll just choose some random ones, um, and hopefully that these will make sense for people. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So if you're a larger organization that maybe has a sales team or some sales reps, you know, and you're trying to drive to a consult where your sales rep can have a conversation, that automation might go into play to try to get them to schedule that call for the sales rep. So their sales rep is not stuck spending their time making phone calls and only phone calls and one-off emails. Yeah. Would that be a good example for, for mapping out that, for that milestone of, you know, let's get the sales rep with a scheduled call for that person that they've committed to? A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I feel like you gave me a softball there. Um, the, uh, the sales rep probably prefers to spend their time having conversations, right? They probably feel like that's the point, the part of their business where they're able to close deals, um, where they're able to earn commission and really where they're most effective. I would wager that they probably don't like the back and forth nature of emails, trying to get somebody to schedule and then handling it if they need to reschedule uh, trying to you know set expectations prior to the call. So if you comb over the list of things that that rep is doing, well, how much of that could be automated? Well, I would I would argue that a lot of it, right? There are plenty of scheduling tools that allow you to deliver a link where they could pick a, a spot on your calendar and book their own appointment and reschedule or cancel that appointment uh, in a totally hands off way. And what that does is it sets the sales rep up to to really focus on their calendar, focus on the live meetings and and consultations. Uh, which they, you know, probably agreed that is the best use of their time. But to take it just one level further, um, I would ask the sales rep, like, well, how how much of your conversations are redundant or are repetitive, right? Because they probably have to address a, a lot of the same objections or a lot of the same concerns or or answer the same questions, right? And so if you can isolate those those things that um, are common or, or happen over and over, then you can use the automation after the appointment's booked before the, the, the call takes place to start setting those expectations, answering those questions proactively, um, and, and building trust so that when they get on the phone, it's, it's not starting from square one. They've already got a running start. They've already got some inherent um, rapport with that customer. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, for an example, if, if someone, say we build this out, right? Mm -hmm. And someone books a call for Friday, but today, the day they actually scheduled the call is Monday. So 
They're going to do the call with the sales rep on Friday. So arguably they have four days of waiting before that sales rep gets on the phone. Yeah. So you're saying in your advice that you can actually take the information from the sales rep of we have to cover over why we're good at what we do and, you know, some other things. So then you can set up the automation that will send emails out leading up to that Friday, Friday scheduled date. And it can address those concerns so the sales rep doesn't have to sit there and re, restate all of the things every single time on every single call. Yeah, right. I mean, there's, there, there will always be, you know, a certain level of, of um, repetitiveness that needs to happen because some people won't read the emails, right? But what you want to do is set yourself up so that for the people who are most motivated, um, you're, you're, you're doing them a service by giving them the information they need ahead of time, right? So if it, to go back to my you know, milestones that I've been talking about, if, if uh, booking the consultation is one milestone and delivering it is another, well, there's a gap between those. And it might be four days like you suggested, or it might be two, or it might be 10. And so how you use that time becomes uh, the segment of the journey between those milestones. And that's where we, as, as the architect behind this automation, get to decide well, is it an email a day or is it a text message immediately before the meeting to make sure that they show up or, or is it the, a webinar that we invite them to attend uh, that answers sort of, you know, one-to-many style uh, questions and then we use the consultation for a more personalized prescriptive follow-up, right? How you craft that experience is up to you, but you don't really start to have that conversation until you acknowledge that these milestones have a gap between them and, and we have an opportunity there to, to use it to, to um, create a more intentional experience. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's one of the things I think people get stuck in is they think that they have to, just because it's an email, it has to stay in an email, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned a couple things. So really what you're mentioning is content consumption in a variety of forms. So just because that email goes out, that email could have a video, it could have a webinar, it could have a case study. There could be multiple ways that that person may prefer to consume content that can also help to address those concerns or pain points for the sales rep when they get on that call. You're totally right. Yep. Awesome. So what are some other, I mean, this is obviously golden advice for anyone who's thinking about trying to map this out. So I'm sure you probably have some other tips and suggestions of what they might want to do. Um, yeah. yeah this I got is wide open for you. <laughs> no, I mean, this is great. I, I, I hope that it is valuable. And if people have questions, you know, I hope that they know how to, how to find us to get them answered because we're painting with relatively broad strokes. But the truth is, um, not everything needs to be automated. And so as much as I am an advocate for automation, um, I'm really giving people the uh, permission to decide that certain things should happen manually, right? So I've worked with small businesses who wanted to introduce automation to their sales process, uh, but then their sales reps got a little resistant because that's what they do. And so by repositioning the role that automation is going to play, uh, you're able to get people on board with with the whole with with the bigger picture by understanding that they work in tandem to supplement um, human interaction. And I guess that's that's the point I want to make there is that 
automation isn't designed to replace humans. It's designed to, to allow humans to be leveraged more strategically, right? It's designed to take the things off your plate or off your team's plate that aren't the best use of your time and allow you to do things that, that are. And I think that that's, that should feel reassuring to know that it's A, it's not going to be cold and robotic because somebody's designing it intentionally. Somebody, if it's done properly, it should feel seamless and it should serve the customer and the business, right? It should also take the things um, that you would be doing anyway and make them happen on autopilot. So there's a couple of things uh, packaged up in that, that run-on sentence that, that I hope will serve people. But uh, the, the second or the next uh, suggestion I have is to, um, to think about the difference between how you do something manually and how you would automate it. And the reason I underscore that is because I, I think a lot of people, when they set out to use automation, they try to automate things the way that they were doing it manually. And that's fine. That's definitely a, a way to do it. Um, but I want to just you know pause there and invite people to, to reimagine how things are currently being done. Because when you set something up and it's being done manually, uh, there's probably a reason. It's because a human had to be involved or because you didn't have the technology or the or the wisdom to do it otherwise. But when you go, when you go back to that same process and you now have this automation tool, um, you, you, get, you get permission to look at it with a different lens, to, to think, well, things, things might be possible that weren't otherwise. Uh, and here's an example, right? For the, uh, for the sales rep that we were talking about who's, who's delivering on consultations with people, uh, we, we, we wouldn't ask that sales rep to send a dozen emails before their consultation. We wouldn't ask that sales rep to deliver a webinar and to also remember to text everyone because that person is probably busy enough as it is. So when we design the automated experience that we want to have happen there, it's not taking what the rep was doing and automating it. It's figuring out what should have been done in the first place and asking how automation can improve on what the, re the reality had become. That totally makes sense. And so I, I know uh, in our own agency, you know, obviously we're service-based. There's a lot of things that our team has to do that we can't automate. So if we're building a website, as much as I'd love to be able to automate the whole build of a website, that's just, that's not a reality. So I guess this is more of a statement than a question, but I'll ask you to add your, your um, input to it. So like one of the things we've done is we've looked at this journey as well. And said, well, what happens if someone buys a website, right? There's, there's, a, there's a, a whole process that has to be followed in a specific order of getting the information for access and all these other details in order for us to start working on that. So if someone purchases a website from us, we've actually used the automation to send out a list of, hey, these are the, the steps that need to happen to their respective team members. And of course, those are all manual things that have to happen, but at least it's a reminder of this just came in, this is a project, these are all the things that have to happen in order. So people, this is where I'm going to ask your input, people that are thinking about this, could they also use these things for their internal processes that maybe aren't directly customer facing? Yeah, so as you know, the answer is, is yes, of course. Um, I, I actually, I take issue with, and I'm not, I'm probably not the first to, to take issue with this, but I take issue with the term marketing automation, right? Um, and even with, you know, Infusionsoft has a, a tool called the campaign builder. 
And I think terms like marketing and terms like campaign, uh, they have a tendency to, 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 to position the way we think about automation as a lead generation or lead nurture tool. And it certainly can be that, but if that's all that you uh, use it for, then you're really underutilizing it because automation can, uh, it can serve the customer in the pre-purchase segment of their journey. It can serve them uh, throughout the actual purchase and transaction. And it can also, as you mentioned, serve in the fulfillment component. And each segment there has both a customer facing component and an internal component. And that's an important layer is I use automation with regularity to remind myself to do certain things, right? I do handwrite the thank you cards that I send out because I, I, I enjoy doing that, but I use automation to make sure it gets done. And as you mentioned, you use automation to, to, to follow through with your, your team and to assign tasks when, when a purchase happens so that people know the ball's in their court and they need to, they need to do something with it. Um, an example that I wanna share here is uh, from a friend of mine, uh, Brett Fairborn, who works for a company, uh, Crew Tracks, it's a, it's a SaaS program uh, that helps construction management uh, um, or, or construction projects uh, manage their paperwork, right? So it's like an app that they can use to, to check people in and out on work sites, to, to handle their timesheets and uh, to handle any, you know, injury forms, that sort of thing, right? Uh, but uh, they, they use automation in every aspect of their customer journey, and they also use it strictly within their organization to drive and create the type of company culture that they want. So they have a, a, a form that their staff members can use to nominate or to recognize their peers when they see somebody embodying their company's core values. So their organization, Crew Tracks, has six or seven core values. And if I'm working next to you and, and you are going above and beyond for a customer, well, I can pull up that form and I can submit, you know, Daniel, and I can nominate you for which core value and write a little blurb as to, as to you know, what you did that, that I thought exemplified that core value. And then automation on the back end notifies the organization. It, they, have a, they have it set up so it chooses from a, a library of, of celebration gifts and it sends an email to everyone and it gives this person some public praise. And they have a bunch of fun with this because there's nothing customer facing about it but it makes their workplace um, feel closer to feel more like a community. Uh, and it helps establish and perpetuate the type of culture that, that draws people there and, and you know, creates a positive work environment. I love it. That's such a brilliant use of automation. Um, that's amazing. So, um, and they're using Infusionsoft for that. And then basically that's all going to the right people in the team. They can assign it to go to the person that to reviews all of that. So that's all right. of yeah. that is automated. And, and then if they, uh, you know, if, if they uh, go a few, you know, weeks or months, I don't know what the timeline is without nominating someone, it can circle back and say, hey, have you, you know, it can prompt them or nudge them to say, have you seen anyone who deserves a, a shout out or something like that? So yeah, they've got it all dialed in and it is, uh, it's not a revenue producing activity. It's not a, a sales activity. Um, it's not even customer facing. And I just love that they have taken something that um, just it, it simply adds to their company culture and they've used automation in a really clever internal way. I love it. And you can do this too with, without getting into the real deep specifics of sales pipelines and opportunities and things like that. But if they're developing this kind of strategy that you've been talking about, 
and they have this, this, this um, customer journey, then they can also identify and segment the people that are moving along the path so they can see the population at every step along the way, right? 100%. That's right. Yeah. So then from like a, an executive level, if you know that you're supposed to, you know, download your, your free case study and then you're supposed to schedule your consult and then, of course, you're supposed to, let's just say, get a proposal and then go to purchase, right? Yeah. The executive, the person that has planned this out can look at those audiences to see the gap of, hey, only 30% of the people made it to this next step. Maybe there's something wrong here. Maybe we should revisit what we built here to improve upon it, right? Yeah, I think that's a big part of this is like as valuable as the, the journey theme is, um, like, like with our health, it's not something that we're just going to suddenly get right and never have to go back to. It's the type of thing that demands your focus um, time and time again. Because there's always areas that you could improve it. There's always an extra, you know, touch point that you could add or an extra, um, you know, internal reminder that you could add or, or even a, a segment of your business or of the journey that you may not have known you could automate. But as, as two things happen, as you uh, mature and, and grow as an as a ar- architect for this stuff and as technology evolves, your lens and your perspective on this will continue to change. And so I recommend, uh, you know, once a quarter carving out a, a half day to, to revisit or, or a full weekend to revisit, well, what is it that we're creating uh, and what needs to be changed? What would I do differently, you know, knowing what I know now and having access to the, the tools that I now have access to? Who might be the people that would want to sit in there for that? I mean, obviously the business owner, and let's just assume the business owner has a fairly small team, whether that's direct hires or, or freelancers or whatever their makeup of their team is, who might be the people that should sit in and, and help review those things? Yeah. So it's, there, need, there should be a visionary, somebody who, who is leading the company and has a vision for, for what's happening there so that they know that the experience they're creating is aligned with uh, the higher level um, goals and metrics for the organization. But you probably want to also have stakeholders for, for various um, you know, internal things like the fulfillment. If you're talking about the the team, the project manager who builds your websites or oversees the team building them. Uh, and then a customer advocate, somebody whose job it is to make sure that the company is not just hitting their metrics, that they're also creating an experience that genuinely benefits the customer. Um, so there, there are probably a handful of stakeholders. Uh, and and one, one, one element or one specific recommendation I'll make is that uh, I mentioned the recipe or the formula at the beginning was was strategy uh, or, or the blueprint was the tools or the the tech that you're using, and then I also talked about training or expertise. But yes, the, the piece that I didn't mention is that that training or expertise it doesn't have to come from the the the, the same person who has the the blueprint. Right, you might decide that I know what I want to create, but I don't have the appetite to build it. So if, you, if, that's, if that's the truth for you, then you're probably going to wind up with, with a third-party uh, expert, hiring in that expertise, finding uh, an automation agency or a consultant who, who plays that role. And if that is the case, then, of course, you would want to have that stakeholder involved as well. Uh, and they not only are going to be helping you translate your vision, your blueprint into reality, but they'll be bringing with them 
the the battle scars from the other automation journeys that they've built or the other companies that they've they've seen it, it work for. That's that's really good advice. And I know that you offer uh, training and courses for that, which I want to cover in a second because I know this stuff is absolutely amazing. We recommend it to um, our clients and customers that have teams internally that want to do those things. But I know we've covered a lot of stuff and we've, we've kind of, you know, gone a little bit all over the map here. So kind of as, as a parting strategy for someone who's been listening in and, you know, they've got a lot of value from this. And they're wondering, okay, well, what's the summary? Like, what would be, if I'm going to go do something and implement today from what I'm learning in this podcast, what would be the, the suggestions you'd say succinctly to move from like, hey, this, you should start here. And then ideally, these are the next steps. Yeah, so as, as simply as I can put it, all you need to do is, is nail your customer journey. That's the, the, the best advice that I can give is to spend time um, exploring unpacking um, and examining your, your current customer journey and then figuring out, okay, well, what should it be? Where can we most, most easily move the needle? What changes could we use or where could we introduce automation that will have the biggest impact for both our customers and for our business? Um, and that's, that's it. Is, I, I, as, as simple as that sounds, all you need to do is, is nail the customer journey. The other half of that sentence is, um, you know, everything is part of their journey. And so it's really understanding that this is a, it is a big project. It is a big undertaking. Um, but automation is, is, is your friend and is the, is the tool uh, that really makes, makes it all possible. I love it. So without the blueprint, if you have grandiose schemes or visions to build a palatial palace of your empire, right? <laughs> yeah, well need- said. Yeah. You need the you need the blueprint. Without the blueprint, you may end up with a shed, right? And, and not the palatial palace that you're envisioning. Yeah, the tools are are uh, obviously they all have their strengths, but the tools can be interchangeable. I've seen people, as you have, I'm sure, uh, achieve success with any of the tools. The expertise can be outsourced or or hired in um, or or developed by training. But the blueprint is really where people should spend their time is is getting clear on that customer journey. And um, to that, where could the fine folks go to learn more about your business? Because you have, you have a multitude of areas in which people can learn and gain knowledge, right? You have, you have an, an online um, environment on Facebook, I believe. You have a multitude of courses. So, you know, can you yeah. touch on some of those things and then, and then give the people the ability to, to find you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So, um, I, I have a progression path of virtual courses, um, and I have a membership, uh, a, a continuity program uh, through uh, where I offer ongoing support. And then I have periodic uh, small uh, group workshops or, or, or retreats, if you will. And uh, all of those are designed to support and empower specifically Infusionsoft users. So uh, that's that's what I do best. That's the niche that I, I focus on serving. But uh, the truth is Infusionsoft is, is just a tool, and so much of my content, um, w- whether it's on my blog or my YouTube channel, uh, really just speaks to small business strategy. And so if you're interested, uh, monkeypodmarketing.com uh, forward slash blog is where you'll find uh, most of, of my, my thoughts and musings. And then I, of course, I'm active on all the, all the social channels as well. Uh, under the same name, Monkey Pod Marketing for YouTube, for Instagram. Um, I think it's Infusion Greg on Twitter, but 
uh, yeah, I just, I love this stuff. Uh, the small business experience is a, it's a, it's a bonding element. I feel a sense of connection to just the small business ecosystem and, and, and space because entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. And I feel like uh, it is a passion driven space that, that uh, uh, you, you don't get anywhere else. I couldn't agree more. Um, question for you, because I know people, you know, you've got the retreats, you've got the, um, the continuity program, which I think is like, it's the OG, what's the name of it? Yeah, it's the OG membership. That's right. OG membership. And so talk about the difference of a retreat. So if someone wants to sign up for a retreat when you offer it, what's that experience versus taking a course? Because I would imagine the retreat is someone that's, I want to come in, I want to get stuff done, I don't want to delay, right? Am I wrong on that? Or let's yeah. talk about that real quick. Sure, man. Um, so the courses are, are virtual, right? They're delivered, uh, they're pre-recorded and edited and uh, delivered through a, a membership area. So when somebody buys the course, they get access to it right away and they can watch it on their own time and um, as many times as they like. And I may never interact with that person because it's totally hands-off for me. The, the fulfillment is automated. Uh, and then if they have questions as they go through it or if they want to connect with other Infusionsoft users or, or if they just uh, need more than they're, they're finding elsewhere and they want a reliable place they can turn uh, for thought partnership, uh, what I recommend is my, my OG membership, which is uh, it's a small Facebook community where I answer what I can and then I've got a, a panel of, of experts who, who lend their wisdom there as well for people. But it's become... Man, it's become a pretty powerful community where the members serve one another because at our, we're all Infusionsoft users, but outside of that, we're also you know humans and small business owners, and so the conversation often strays from just Infusionsoft topics to uh, you know marketing best practices or, or copywriting suggestions or uh, tech and, and tools that we lean on uh, to, to make it all make it all happen. And then if people if people wanna you know people really wanna roll up their sleeves and, and check things off their to do list. Uh, the retreat was born out of my own, um, my own desire to like get away from my business so that I could work on my business. You know, the old, I think it's Jim Collins who says, uh, you know, from good to great, you, you have to uh, stop running your business so that you could start leading it. And the retreat w was born because I realized I was so busy um, paddling to get Monkey Pod moving forward that I wasn't actually steering it. And so the retreat is more about um, two days of of um, progress is like the first day is just strategy and each business owner gets a, a hot seat. And then the second day I pair them with an implementer. And the second day is all about um, executing on the things that surfaced from that first day. And that's, wow. that is, that is open to, to anyone, but, but normally I, I just, uh, that that's uh, offered to the, the OG members first. And I, and that's normally where the attendees come from. Gotcha. So they may want to start with obviously your blog, learn more about everything you have to share and your knowledge. And then from that point, they may want to sign up for a course to learn more about the systems, the software. They'll have the ability to join the OG forum to get a wealth of information for a, a diverse community of people that are in there. And then if they really want to roll up their sleeves after they've done that, then the retreat is the logical next step. That it sounds like you nailed it, <laughs> and and of course I'm you know I'm a real person. People often forget that on the other side of all this automation is a human. Um, so if if you ever feel lost or you're not you're not sure what's the best you know recommendation for you, 
uh, I invite people to, to just reach out. And uh, I can't always hop on the phone, but I will always read the email and I will always respond and prescribe what I think is the, the best path forward. I think that's a nice touch and that's something that businesses need more of. So I, I couldn't commend you more on that aspect right there. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a... Uh... You know, I make plenty of mistakes, but uh, I love I love what I'm doing, and and it's you know I'm happy to to share, and and it, it always uh, brings a smile to my face when people can learn from the mistakes I've made, and it helps them you know do do one thing better. Oh man, you're telling me about that, right? If you can learn from other people's mistakes and save you the pain and headache, that's that right there is invaluable. <laughs> man, I feel like that's probably the theme of this call, or or should have been, is it's 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 about. Um, progress over perfection, right? There is no singular silver bullet. There is no, uh, just all you have to do is, is this one thing. It's about the constant and perpetual effort to just do better. And, and um, that's okay. Greg, it's, as always, it's a pleasure having conversation with you. I know you always bring value. And I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to share your wealth of information and knowledge with everybody that's going to be listening in on this. Hey, man, it was totally my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.